Welcome back to Before They Called Me Coach, where we dive into different Springfield College coaches' lives before college coaching. I'm your host, Sean Doyle, and today we're joined by women's basketball coach, Coach Naomi Graves. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean, for having me. I feel honored to be interviewed for this podcast. Thank you. So just a first question for you. What was your life like growing up as a kid, and like, where did you grow up, and I, I grew up not, I mean, about an hour from here up in the hill towns of, of Massachusetts in Williamsburg, Massachusetts. It was a farm community. Um, I'm one of three in my family. And um, I spent a lot of days outside playing, working, you know, that kind of community built upbringing. Did you play any, uh, what sports did you play growing up and like, which ones were your favorite? Um, I, I played just about everything in, in high school. I, you know, I played in, in, you know, secondary school. I played, uh, softball. I, I ran track. I, I, I just played anything. I like sports. So I, I didn't specialize till I was like in eighth grade. Okay. And when you were growing up, did you have a dream job in mind? Never just never. didn't quite figure it out. No, never did. I, I wasn't a planner back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't somebody who said, when I grow up, I want to be like, you know, this person or do this job. I didn't, you know, I thought about teaching because I like kids, but I didn't really have a, a destiny. Mm-hmm. When did you really know that basketball was your sport and what position did you play? Um, I think, you know, I, my sisters both played. So we played outside and when did I know when it clicked? Um, probably when I was in seventh and eighth grade, you know, I had a coach that really saw something in me and wanted me to begin playing and doing things. And I wasn't very good, but she saw something in me that I didn't see. And I think that probably started me thinking not about college, but about, hey, I could really play serious basketball if I put some time and effort into it. Mm-hmm. Um, when did, did you ever have dreams of playing in college? I know you just mentioned not at seventh and eighth grade, but I did did as I, yeah, as I grew older, there were more opportunities for, for girls and women. And, you know, I graduated in 78. So my upbringing started the kind of the movement of title nine. So I was hearing and seeing more opportunities for girls and women. And, you know, we, we had a state tournament in the state of Massachusetts. That was a big deal. The men had one before us all for a while, and so I think I started to realize, hey, I'm really kind of good at this game and um, college would be an avenue I was going to do. And maybe some people had talked to me. Maybe there was some ability to get some financial assistance. How else did Title IX affect you as you were growing up in your basketball career? I, I always tell people that Title IX gave me opportunities. And even in the beginning of Title IX, um, it wasn't perfect, right? There wasn't all of a sudden a switch and we got everything. It wasn't that at all. It took time for it to be implemented. And so for me, like I had to, like as a young girl, there were certain roles that we saw ourselves in nursing, teaching, you know, we didn't see ourselves in doctors or scientists and academics. And then in sport, we really didn't see a lot of growth in college until like I got into high school. And so for me, Title IX changed my life. If I didn't go to the University of Rhode Island and I didn't have the opportunity to play there, I I don't really know where I'd be um, and what I'd be doing. And that opportunity changed my life. So what was, uh, so you were a very successful high school basketball player, one Mm -hmm. of the uh, 
greatest in the state of Massachusetts, um, an All-American, four state championships. Um, how, um, sorry, what was that like being so successful? And what was your high school playing career like? It was awesome. It was amazing. Like, I don't think we ever really knew how good we were until it was all over, right? But we... It was a really special experience for me. Like when I think back to my high school days, it was a village, a community of families and parents and friends and, and my teammates. And um, it was a really special time for me. So I also saw that you were the Western Massachusetts scoring leader before uh, Rebecca Lobo broke the record. What was, what was that like for you be holding that record? I, uh, I didn't really think a lot about it. Honestly, I wasn't, it was a very different time and statistics and, you know, all these accolades, they, they were just coming about. So I didn't really know what it all meant. I mean, I did, but I didn't. And I did get recruited. There were some college coaches that did come and see me play and mm -hmm. um, I did official visits. And so, I mean, I think I didn't really think about how many points I had or what I did. I think more people on the outside, the exterior people, they would be talking to me more about that mm -hmm. than actually me. Well, you mentioned your recruiting process. What was that like? Like what schools were interested? How did that go? Um, there weren't, I, you know, when I played, there wasn't a lot of AAU. Mm -hmm. And so you did summer camps. If you wanted exposure, I went to one. My family was middle to, I, I would say middle-class farm workers. You know, I don't feel like we were poor, but we were rich, right? I mean, we had everything we needed. We had a community. My Both my parents worked. Um, so I think... It, the recruiting process was new for me and new for most women. And it, you know, I, I had about eight schools. I visited UMass. I visited Rhode Island. I visited um, Clark University at Springfield. Springfield recruited me for two years. Um, so I, I had opportunities to think about colleges on, based on my athletics. And no one in my family expected that, like no one. You know, most of the time you look at schools and I, and I think I probably would have gone to a community school or a state school within Massachusetts mm -hmm. if I didn't have sports. So you eventually landed on URI. And when you got there, it was like you didn't really skip a beat. You just picked right back up where you left off in high school, being the dominant player that you were. What was what was that like? Just being able to pick right back up where you left off and like you didn't skip a beat. It was I mean. It was a huge step for me, I think. And this is what I tell our student athletes that I recruit now. Going from a high school where everybody knows your name to going to a program that nobody knows your name, it's, a, it's another challenge um, of who you are and how you fit in and the social dynamics. So for me, I came from a small school and then I went to a university. So for me, the transition was a bit more rocky. I may not have seen that on the court but certainly off the court it was. And, and everyone on the team, the scholarship programs were starting to evolve. So it was a real blend between those who were able to get money and those who weren't. 
So the dynamic was different. But um, in terms of play, I loved it. I was challenged by it and wanted to prove that this this country kid could make it. I mean, I was pretty driven, quite frankly. I wanted to prove to everybody that I could still be good at a level. Like there was a lot of people who thought maybe I wouldn't make it in college because of whatever reasons. And um, I was really challenged by that and and took that on as my plight. Like I'll show you kind of thing, right? <laughs> That's what kids do, right? Mm-hmm. So now when you were in college, I know uh, after you did a year of coaching with URI, when, before that, when did it kind of, when did you know that coaching was something that you wanted to do? I think that when my, when my college um, ended, I had an opportunity to play overseas at a couple places and it was really risky. I mean, back then, um, because they could only have a certain number of Americans on their team, just like now. Mm -hmm. And so you could get over there and then all of a sudden they choose not to take you. So I really did some soul searching of like, what's next. And I got my degree in physical education with a concentration in health and um, special education. So I, I really wasn't sure I wanted to coach. And I went through just like everyone, that identity, who am I? Like, where do I go? What do I do? Um, and so that year at URI helped me figure that out a little bit. Like when I st- took on more of a role in the other side, I call it the other side, right? The coaching side. Um, it gave me a sense of, wow, this I, I might like this. And so I contacted the current head coach at Springfield College, Harvey Shapiro. And I asked him if there was any chance that there was a fellowship or assistantship open. And um, he had one open. So um, he had, he had recruited me as a high school player and, and I, you know, knew him. So it really worked for me to come back, even though at that point he ended up leaving Springfield and I ended up working under Mike Thulin. What was that experience like being a GA at Springfield College? I fell in love with the place. It was a transformational decision. Like when I when I stepped on this campus, I mean, I knew that because I was recruited here. So it wasn't as if I'd never seen Springfield College or been on it. I actually um, was recruited for this program at that time. And um, actually, when I came for my kind of like my visit to meet Mike and everything. It was interesting because I brought back a lot of memories when I was recruiting, recruited by Harvey. So it, um, it was special for me. Um, I, the whole title of your presentation was my humanics, right? Mm-hmm. They call me coach. Coach yeah. on this campus um, is, is well-regarded, well-respected. Um, and, and the fact that we teach and coach was just a huge perk for me because I believed in teaching and I believe a coach teaches and a teacher coaches. So I think for me, it was just a win-win. And I actually got my advisor was Jesse Parks. And um, so I was around a lot of the greats, mm-hmm. like Diane Potter and Dottie Znati, Mimi Murray, Cheryl Raymond. I was around the greats when I came back, Betty Mann. And when you get a taste of being around that high level professional coaching people, you, you then step back and say, I want to be like them. I want to, I want to come back. I want to be like them. I want to have the same impact on, on student athletes as they did and graduate students and undergrads. So that's where I fell in love. For sure. With the place. I also saw that you before, after your uh, 
GA a couple of years, you coached over at WPI. Mm-hmm. How did that go? And then how did you also find your way back to Alden Street? But when I graduated, it was clear that, um, I mean, there wasn't really any openings here for a full-time assistant. I wish I could have stayed, but I didn't. So there weren't many head coaching positions really for women. Most of them were part-time. Um, some of them were head coaches, but they were far away. And I looked at full, full, you know, time assistant coaching positions and the WPI position came about because a good friend of mine saw it in a newspaper in Worcester and, or in the globe and cut it out. And they were looking for a basketball coach, phys ed instructor. So that's really how that job all came about. My friend, Sean Latta. Um, so I applied, it was a created position. They were trying to make a full-time position for women's basketball. And um, at that point, WPI is not the WPI of today. It was predominantly men, um, maybe 500 women. And they were really working on trying to get their program going. So it was a good place for me to start. They were very good to me. They, they were good to a young coach. Mm-hmm. Now I know, I noticed while doing some research that most, uh, uh, coaching positions for women early on tended to be half the time you coach like coach basketball the other half part for for part or for full-time would be like coach softball or volleyball were any of those ever options for you did you ever consider any of that well I coached tennis I was an assistant athletic director at WPI and then the first year I was in there I coached tennis and basketball oh, okay and drove the van <laughs> <laughs> So and then, pulled out my bleachers and did all the stuff that we don't talk about much anymore. But the contest management was not like it is today. Mm-hmm. We set up the site pretty much. Okay. And so then after you left WPI, you ended up back at Springfield College. How did you find your way back? Um, I, I honestly really wanted to come back. So I was still in contact with Mike Thelen. And part of it was... Um, I honestly waited for the job to open because I, I, I had applied for a few other jobs at other institutions, but it wasn't really a match. So I figured, what the heck, I'm going to hold out and see if this job's going to open because there were rumors that it might open within a couple of years. Okay. Gotcha. So the, uh, another question for you. Um, you've been, obviously, you've had a very successful career Uh one, the 36th head coach in D3 women's basketball to reach 500 wins. You, you just finished your 31st season. Did you ever think that you would be this successful when you started? No, I wanted to be, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's just like starting out when you're a player, you want it to be, and you have to work at it. And coaching is different than playing. Um, there's, there's, a, there's pluses and minuses. Some days you wish you still could play right? Because it's a little easier than coaching. And then other days, empowering young people to play, like putting the puzzle pieces together on a team is really rewarding. And it challenges me even to this day to be able to mix people in and just try to formulate a team is is an unbelievable feel when you actually get to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I, I, I don't, you know, I came back to Springfield and got my adapted PE degree because I thought I'd be just coaching, you know, for five years. And then I'd step out and do whatever I was going to do. But as I got into it, I liked it. I loved it. It became a passion of mine. I became very involved in the Springfield College community. Um, They became family to me. Um, 
I found my match. That's what I always tell people when I recruit. Like it, it, I just felt right. Mm-hmm. It felt right. It felt where I wanted to belong. And then, then the like turning the corner is then. Then I wanted to work hard to be one of the good ones, mm-hmm. right? Then I wanted to strive to bring success to the program, which I did anyways when I came back because it was so far down. But um, I think I wanted to. It became a real passion of mine to be like we are gonna we're gonna land into making women's basketball one of those best programs here now at with such a successful career did you ever have the opportunity or ever think about potentially coaching at division one level or anything like that or was it always just stay at springfield college i i got offers um i got calls to be full-time assistant at division one and opportunities but i wanted to stay here like i knew early on my values and what i really stood for and I really, it wasn't about just the game. It was about the culture of the community. It was about the match, right? It was about the teacher coach role. I I was extremely passionate and still am about that. Um, It was about making a difference. So, you know, when I talk about other places, I was never really seriously looking that way. Could I have made more money? Absolutely. But I think this was the right space for me. and it still is. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I walk in and I look at my name on my, the door and I walk through the gym and I'm thinking, wow, I'm the head coach here. And it's, and it's 31 years later. Right. And I, every season I start up with my team and I get those butterflies like, okay, here we go. Let's do it. Let's try to figure this out. And, um, and then at the end, you feel sad when the season's over, even when the season isn't like ours this year. You know, you just lose the, you don't lose the contact with the kids, but the contact with the student athletes is different when you're out of season. So we still meet, we still have fun, but being in the grind every day, you get to be with somebody and they get to be with you. And it's just a nice journey. Now to pivot a little bit, um, I noticed that in you, you were a part of the, got inducted into the URI Athletics Hall of Fame in class of uh, 1995 and you're also honored by the a10 as the part of the legends class of 2015 for um your success and contribution to basketball what did it mean to you to be recognized as part of both of those groups oh it's i mean i couldn't believe it quite frankly it's amazing um I think when I'm when I'm old and sitting on the porch with I'll take in all these awards. Right. But um, right now I I have a great deal of gratitude for the University of Rhode Island and the fact that I was um, inducted early into the Hall of Fame and and then turned around and, and got the opportunity to be one of the legends in the Atlantic 10 conference. I'm like, wow. That's a little bit of a wow. Right. <laughs> totally. Um, so, yeah. Like, wow. Wow. I still I. Honestly, I still, it's, I'm very humbled by it. And, and I shake my head and I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't think I'd ever get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted to be the best I could be, but I didn't ever think I'd get to the level that other people saw in me. Right. I also saw that you're the director of the Springfield basketball school. So what does it uh, that mean to you? And also like giving back to the community? Um. I, I actually, after COVID, I, I stopped being that. I, oh, I, I ran the school for 24 years. Um, it was a co-educational camp for, I ran three weeks in the beginning, then two weeks, and then the last few years has been one. But it was it was a way for me to get back to the community. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was a way for me to remember where I came from. 
Um, these were not AAU kids. These were kids who love the game and they, and they would play games and learn basketball and eat ice cream and swim. And I thought, oh my God, there's no camps like that anymore. So I, I just wanted to have these folks hold on to the idea that you could go to camp and still have fun and be in basketball. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's not many of those left anymore. Just one final question for you, coach. At eventually, uh, many years down the road, when you retire and you're looking back on your career, what do you think is going to be like the one moment, your proudest moment, the hi one highlight of your career that you're going to be looking back on that like encapsulates your whole career? When I look back on any of my coaching, the first thing that comes to mind is all the student athletes that I got to touch. It's not really an event. I feel so honored to have had them be on my team. And I feel so privileged that the parents trusted me to be with them. I mean, I think in the end, it's like a teacher. You don't know how much fruit is going to bear with your students, right? Mm -hmm. But what I see is great adults, great parents, great coaches, great teachers, great PT people, people who are making a difference in our society in a positive way. And for me, when I look back, um, that's what I'm going to remember. I'm not going to remember the wins, the losses, the seasons, the awards, the personal achievements. I'm going to remember that I got to work with these people for like almost 40 years. And, you know, they made a difference in my life. Um, each one of them left a mark in a good way in my life. I became better and richer. And, and, and I hope and I know that being at Springfield College made a difference in their life. And I was a part of that. And so for me, you know, not being, I just believe that, that I, it's a gift that I have had in this job. It's not really work. Um, although sometimes in the middle of February can feel like work. Um, I, I think it's just a gift. And I hope that whoever gets the opportunity to sit in this chair when I'm gone has that same commitment to that student athlete. That, that wholesome, you know, encompassing humanic spirit, mind, and body, educate the person and wholly, and, and, and then we'll get the benefits that I've gotten. So it's been a privilege, and it still is a privilege to be called coach on this campus. Definitely. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. You good luck with this podcast and I hope things work out. I'm looking at the lighting. I hope it worked out for you. It's a little dark in here for some reason. Oh, it's perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for, for asking me and good luck. Thank you very much, coach. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Take care.